Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Pratt. And today our guest is Brendan Chisholm. And he is a father, real estate investor, full-time W-2 worker, doing a whole bunch of different deals under his belt here. He is managing his time. He is the principal of BKC Holdings. He's a GP on 124 units across Georgia and South Carolina. He focuses on distress and value add deals in the Southeast. He's also an LP on two syndications, does private lending and invests passively in single family home development. So he does a lot here. And so I'm super excited to hear about his story and how he's been able to build up his portfolio, manage his time, having a full family under his belt, two little kids. So Brendan, thank you so much for being here today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Aileen. It's a pleasure to join the podcast today. I'm happy to expand upon what you just covered. So if we want to start off with um, sharing a little bit more about your background and how you got into real estate. How I got into real estate. So I've been an active GP on deals for about two years, but for the past four years, have really made it what I like to call my five to nine job. Studying five to nine job. I love that. <laughs> studying real estate, specifically commercial multifamily real estate. Dug into every single book that everybody recommended, then read them twice, and then picked up new ones and read those again, just taking notes along the way. Started listening to podcasts, just like it sounds like everybody else does. So nothing out of the ordinary. Just try to maximize my time focusing on just commercial real estate and specifically multifamily. So over the past four years, just getting that education, figuring it out. And then as of two, you know, 20 months ago, got our first syndication under our belt. And it just seems like it's just snowballing ever since that point. The reason I got into multifamily after starting to listen to the bigger pockets and all of that fun stuff, I started going to real estate meetups. The first or second real estate meetup that I went to, there is a gentleman there who told me about the power of a cap rate and how buying commercial multifamily is you know, buying real estate that is a business. And coming from a working corporate America since graduating in the early 2000s, just thought this was applicable as to how I could add value and pick up everything that I learned and put it into practice. So it's been a fun four-year journey so far. I'm looking forward to the next 40 years with it. So you are working your full-time job in the global telecom company, and you're doing very well for yourself, for your family. Why did you decide to look at other venues such as real estate also on the side to, in addition to working your full-time job? Like, What was that drive for you? The drive I always got coming growing up, it's get your education, get that nine, you know, that corporate job and you know, have the family and whatnot, get the 401k. And I thought this was great. I went to Syracuse University. They did a great job of teaching me how to get into that channel and just ascend through the corporate ladder. I graduated into the teeth of the great financial crisis in 2008, 2009. And you know, six, no, nine months after taking my first job, I was part of a RIF, which is a reduction in force. Didn't really think much of it at the time. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm young. I'm just going to find another company to do so. Didn't work five years. 
for a rental car company, taking, you know, getting multiple promotions, climbing the corporate ladder, and then another riff. So two jobs, two layoffs. Got my third job, still hadn't learned my lesson yet. <laughs> but at this time, my commute was so long that I started picking up these real estate podcasts of how to build additional income to be able to say, two for two so far, if, I, if I'm going to get laid off. I need to be able to find ways to supplement my income. And at first, it was just trying to do... First, it was small single families until I mentioned earlier, somebody opened my eyes to what the power of the cap rate is and running a business. So like I said, just dug deep into that to be able to create those additional income streams and didn't realize at the time, but you know, realizing now this has become a true passion. That's It's taking over what I'm trying to do previously of climbing a corporate ladder. And now I'm just trying to build my own ladder. So in short, I think that's where I, the motivation and determination has come from. What are the odds that the two jobs that you had ended up both having layoffs during those time periods? And especially in today's market also, where things are kind of volatile and you hear about companies downsizing and things happening and everything like that. You're like, something has to change in our lives. We have to have something in the backup to kind of protect us in the events that something like this happens. Yeah. So did you also look into like stock investing and other things as yeah. well? Mm-hmm. So once I started getting a little more disposable income, I started looking into stocks and I thought that was a great way because essentially from the time I had disposable income until I started investing in real estate, the stock market went up. You know, and so it was like, okay, I'll just follow this trend for the time being and didn't figure out all of the wonders and joys of real estate investing until I got into my 30s. Now that I have a little more disposable income to be able to go it, now I'm able to focus, put money back into my own syndications, be able to grow that wealth even more exponentially. But yeah, the first part, I wasn't day trading. I wasn't option trading, anything like that. It was just long-term holds on companies that I use on a daily basis and just riding the wave of that. But I wasn't diversified. It was just stocks and more stocks and just figuring out which one to ride. So when you discovered multifamily, you mentioned that they had introduced you to the power of the cap rate. What was it about the cap rate that was so enticing to you? And how was it explained to you in a way that it made sense? Because cap rates can kind of be a little bit confusing, a little bit tricky for people who haven't been familiar with it or aren't really working in it on a day-to-day basis. So what was it about it that made sense to you with the cap rate? I was the power of the multiplier. I live in you know the tri-state area and we'll just use like a five cap, for example. He was telling us you can raise rents by $100 on over 100 units per month, and that equal. Then you apply a cap rate to it and multiply that by your own five cap, 20 extra multiple. So the work that you're able to do in buying these businesses, what I consider a business, is buying a business that is not performing to its maximum value, being able to add that value into the deal and generate more income or reduce your expenses. And that multiplier is the equity that you're able to create from it. And it grows on a much larger scale than it would in the single family, which I've hardly invested in myself. But just keeping that core focus on commercial real estate and how if over that 10, 100 units and adding that $100 per month on what that does to your revenue and income on a yearly basis, and then how much more money it creates on the back end, being able to sell it just was a huge allure for me. It just made sense because it's like, okay, this is where people are willing to pay for what is in the market. 
Yeah, I think that ultimately it's not any revelation, but it's just like, okay, this kind of makes sense as to what how you create wealth in this business. So how did you get into multifamily for your first deal? Did you do a limited partnership first or did you jump straight onto the general partnership? It's funny how this one worked. So first, to answer your question, I got into a general partnership first. I closed on the deal in February of 2021. I think like a month or two later, I got exposed to like the solo 401k, self-directed IRA. And then two months later, I did all of my rollover from my previous employers into a full 401k and started investing as an LP. So it all coincided within like a short three-month period. But every it just GP to LP almost simultaneously. So a lot of people, they look at it and they're like, oh, they want to get onto the GP side of things. But some of the different ways that they can participate, they can start off as a limited partner first, build up the relationships. For you, what did you do to on your end to get into a general partnership? How did you build up your relationships? How did you network and create partnerships with the people that you actually did the deal with? And how did that all play out for you? So when I was in the gentleman I was telling you that taught about the power of the cap rate, I took his course to help accelerate my understanding of multifamily, was introduced to a few people on like who are trying to be active investors as well. They introduced me to another group of people. And I tried getting onto the GP by helping to raise money. And I realized that raising money as a first-time deal is much more difficult than it sounds, especially other people make it sound so much easier, but in fact, it's not. So we were looking at a deal. He asked me to help raise some money which we got out of the deal. Backtrack 12 months from there, I was been talking about syndication and trying to get into syndication. And I was at a local meetup and there were two people talking about syndications, myself and the gentleman who I'm now on two deals with. So we met similar in age. The only two people talking about apartment syndications where everybody else was talking about wholesaling and fix and flipping. When the deal that I just mentioned previously they had to terminate the contract. He asked me to turn the GP and try to bring in some of my contacts as well. So I was able to help secure some of the uh, debt financing, being able to leverage the relationship that I already have with the debt broker. And also being part of this, the previous deal also introduced some key principles to the deal as well. We didn't ultimately go with the key principles, but figuring out different ways you can add value to the team. And our first syndication, five of the six GPs were doing their first deal. So we were all navigating this as first-time syndicators, having another person who did a couple of GPVs for, but just trying to figure out our way throughout the whole course of the first closing. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So when you're looking at the partnerships on the general partner side, I guess you can look at it on the limited partner side as well. But what was the first things that you looked at first? Was it the 
sponsorship team and the people that you're actually going to be partnering with or the markets and the deal itself that was most important to you before you decided to jump in as on the active side as a general partner? It was the people that I was working with because the gentleman who I've mentioned that we're both two deals together now, we were talking for 12 months prior, like when we first met. So similar idea as to where we wanted to invest until the deal got under contract, nothing really materialized until that point. So we were just focusing on similar market research, trying to go after similar deals. And it felt like whoever got the deal first, let's we'll like what you're doing. We haven't seen each other work, but at least the idea of what we're trying to work towards could be beneficial down the road. So then after the first one was a 54 unit, is that right? 54? 53, 53 soon to be four. Hopefully as of today, the inspector came to make it a 54th unit. Oh, let's talk about that a little bit. How did that come about? How did it come from a 53 and how did it end up being a 54 unit? Sure. So we acquired this deal in Noonan, Georgia, 53 units, February of 2021. It was a distressed property. Nine units were down, 14 units needed to be renovated. So 23 in total. Did that within the first six months of ownership. There's a small like uh, building off like away from the rest of the property, still on property, but a little set aside. That's where the former leasing office was. And there was also a three, a very funky style, three bed, one bath. Like, okay, we had plans to renovate that unit, but we thought there'd be more beneficial because we weren't going to have a full-time staff on site there to be able to renovate the defunct office space. So we worked with a local zoning attorney down in, in Noonan, Georgia to get approval to add the 54th unit because we were not zoned for it appropriately. So they grandfathered us in to build the unit because we weren't adding anything to the exterior. We were just doing all the work on the interior. And you know, hopefully as of today, just to put it into reference, we're getting the inspection and hopefully that goes live, starts leasing sometime in the next week or two. So yeah, it was a pure equity play for us. And it seems like a pretty cool resume builder as well. Being able to say, hey, we've worked with an attorney. We've added an additional unit. Just something that it's a good equity play for us. It didn't really do a lot for create untapped revenue streams. Just thought it was a great opportunity to do so. When you guys were taking a look at the property initially, was that always part of the plan to turn that leasing office into a 54th unit? Or was it kind of like in the back of your mind? We didn't budget for it in the CapEx initially, but we always knew that we wanted to look at it as an opportunity to be able to do so. We did fund it thereafter. We didn't do a capital call, but the cash flow from the property was enough to be able to set aside reserves to be able to complete the unit itself. So that leasing office wasn't being used by any on-site property management team. It was just an empty leasing unit, basically. Yeah, it was just it was just frames. They were when we bought the property, there was people there to oversee the entire 23 units that we had to do, as well as the repositioning and the exterior work that we did at the property. But once the property became stabilized, we were able to the model that we use for our property management company they have a home base somewhere else in very close proximity to our property in noonan so they dispatch from there and if something come on site so they'll still be on site two to three times a week just not necessarily needing to work full-time at our property like okay now it's empty space what are you going to do with the empty space let's make money off of the empty space So put into perspective, once that 54th unit comes into fruition and you're able to lease that out and get it rented to another tenant, how much value has that added to the property for you guys? I'm doing the calculation. (laughs) 
So it's an additional $2,900 a month in revenue. So we'll call it $1,500 revenue on 12 months. It's like $360,000 worth of equity that we created on a five cap. Yeah. So the building costs went up a little bit. And this is why I wasn't saying it's a true cash on cash play, but that's $200,000 of extra equity that we created on the property. That's fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) So after you did this first unit, because this one is really exciting. You guys were able to turn a distressed property around and get it stabilized, be able to add an additional unit to it. How did the second property come about for you guys as a general partner, like pretty close right after you were able to get that one under contract? We got it under contract eight months after we closed on the deal in Noonan. And this one is in Rock Hill, South Carolina. This was an on-market deal and we were not the highest offer or highest bid. Went through best and final. Didn't get a word of the deal initially, but the initial buyers backed out because they got a deal on their own home market. Based off of references, because we closed on the deal in Noonan, they were awarded the deal to us. So we weren't anywhere close to what we thought, you know, what they were asking for, but we got it at a fantastic basis. It made it a much more appealing deal for us to close. And we closed it almost a year to the day that we closed our first deal. Oh, wow. Two things to be excited about on the anniversary. (laughs) We were hoping to be able to close both of them on the same day, but we're very happy that we closed the second deal two weeks prior to that date. So that second deal, 70 units in Rock Hill, South Carolina, we have a $2.1 million CapEx budget with it. And we bought it at 96% occupied. It was 96% occupied when we bought it. So the you know, past five months of our ownership, we've completed 95% of the exterior work. And we were doing new asphalt, new landscaping, adding a playground, dog park, barbecue, similar strategy to what we used in Noonan. Put in new breezeway lights, added the white paint. You know, We painted the brick uh, white and then did the, you know, the black trim around it, similar to what you're seeing with a lot of new deals coming up. And as of this week, we started to market our first 10 two-bedroom units. So there was winglets in there. We worked with an interior designer to tear down some of those winglets and open up the kitchen, added a peninsula, put some pendant lights, and really reposition the property. So we are anxiously awaiting to see when our first lease-up will occur. And right now, we're going anywhere between over 20 to 30% over on our underwriting for where we're coming in. So just hoping for that first one to, to lock it in and prove that proof of concept and just keep on turning over units and seeing where it comes. Congratulations. That's super exciting to be able to see the fruition of everything that you're working on come yeah. to light and to be able to see the value that you guys are adding to the property and actually seeing what the returns are coming back directly and impacting the bottom line. Yeah. And we just started our refinance for our deal in Noonan. So you know, 60 days, we'll be able to do the first capital event to our investors and lock in some nice long-term debts. And all of the hard work that we've done over the past four years is starting to materialize, even though we haven't had the deals under contract for a year. So I have to ask also, because you're still working full-time, you're GPing and actively working in real estate. You have two little kids almost a one-year-old and a (laughs) three-year-old. How are you managing your time? And I know you mentioned five to nine. This is your five to nine on the real estate side, but it is quite a lot of work to be able to, you know, be an active partner within the syndication is doing all this work. You still have the little kids to play with and to care for as well. How are you doing all this? Like, how do you manage your time? Like, what does a day-to-day look like for you? 
day to day. Hopefully my boss isn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) Nor my company. You wake up, usually spend the first couple hours of the day with the boys, get them ready for daycare. And let me caveat this first. My wife is a huge blessing for her entire family, and she's aligned with the direction of where we're going. So if I didn't have her support, I wouldn't be able to do this. So yeah, shout out to my wife for everything that she's helped with. Yeah, uh, it's definitely important to have a spouse yeah. or like another partner to be able to help take care of the family. Everybody has a role in the family, yes. right? And so like you're able to focus on one area of the business and your wife is able to focus on the other side of you know managing the family. And it's a lot of work. And so to be able to have two partners come together to be able to help the family grow and achieve the goals that you guys have set out for, right. it's, it's so important. It's so It helps you move that much faster. It sure does. So I'll caveat it with this too. I've been able to work from home for the past two years. So I've been able to balance the two between in the 24-hour world we live in. I'm not working a straight nine to five anymore. I can answer emails at night. I can answer emails in the morning when the kids are asleep or the kids are playing. So that helps a lot with being able to on the real estate side, as well as my nine to five too. So I've struck a very good balance that how I got here. I'm not trying to climb a corporate ladder. So I'm not putting in my 40 hours a week for my company, but I'm satisfied of where I am. It's a good job. I'm performing well in it. And I'm able to do the other things at the same time to be able to support the amount of work that I do between real estate as well as my nine to five. Yeah. And I can only imagine too, because what you had mentioned earlier (laughs) is similar to me, my husband also, the commute time. It was one of the, I don't know the company that you worked at now has a long commute, but I think the second job that you had was a further commute. Mm -hmm. And so it's just the time that you're able to save on that road to be able to focus on something else. You know, it's really valuable. You get like three, four hours of your time back. Exactly. You get that alone. And a lot of the work that I do is usually with, is you know, Monday night through Thursday night, 7.30 when both my children are hopefully in bed until I pass out. So you know, focusing strictly on that, not watching the sports anymore that I used to watch. Still trying to put it on on a different monitor, but my focus is on doing all this stuff. So it's prioritizing at this point. You know, here's what's important to me. My family is at number one. And then growing the real estate business and making sure that I have income from my nine to five to be able to support everything. Yeah. I'm not there yet with being able to say I'm going to retire from my nine to five, but hopefully it's something that I can say within the next three to five years I'll be able to do. Well, I need to get some tips from you after this about how you get your kids to sleep at 730. <laughs> at <night. laughs> Ours are staying up a little bit later than we'd like, but I mean, <laughs> but yes. So are they can, waking up earlier? They no, they kind of, but they, they're sleeping later. Yeah, they're sleeping a little bit later. And then their time in the morning, they still wake up around the same time. So they're getting short amounts of times of sleep. And I'm like, I think you guys need a little bit more time. (laughs) Your bodies are growing. You need more sleep. Exactly. So Brendan, how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? It's opening up new channels that I never thought I'd be privy to before. You started having people invest with your family and friends. Through your family and friends, you know, you beg and claw to get people to invest with you on your first and second deals. Then, you know, once they're in and they start seeing some of the distributions that we're making and the communications that we're doing, they're introducing us to their friends and family. So it's just, it's just opening up a new world of people to say, here's the business that we're growing. And we think it's a sound business and our core beliefs. We feel like we're doing right to have fiduciary responsibility to them. And just here's the next iteration of the networking that it could be able to create to start having conversations that you never thought you'd have prior to. 
know, people who make a lot more money than you, you know, so it's one of those channel to it. And then second to that, it's being able to create a lifestyle for myself. I don't want to be working two jobs my entire life. You know, I'm very close with my two boys and making sure that I see the light at the end of the tunnel to be able to watch them grow and not have to worry. You're working that seven to seven at this, at this corporate job, working for somebody else, just to be able to continue to buy sound properties and then just do the work that we have to do. And that's all I focus on. And then being able to hopefully coach baseball or hopefully coach soccer for them. So I see the light at the end of the tunnel with, with what we are doing. And if there's one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started, what would that be? I wish I started investing in real estate when I graduated from college. <laughs> I wish I did a house hack when I first did it. I wish I didn't live in New York City and an inordinate amount of money paying rent and the same thing living in Boston and moving back down to New York City. I wish I just put my money into buying real estate at that time. And over a 10-year period, it would have been much more fruitful. Not Don't regret you know, those past 10 years, but it's just something I would have told myself, the 36-year-old me telling my, the 26-year-old me, do this earlier than doing it at 28, 29, 30. And if there's one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing, what would that be? You got to find your why. When my children came into play, it was a brand new, it was an eye opener for them. That is my driving purpose is to create a better life for my children than my parents provided to me. I have a very high standard. My parents set a very high standard as well. So just trying to equal that or go above it. So that is my driving force for it. Awesome. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your wisdom. So for our listeners out there who also want to find out more about you, what you're doing in the space, where's the best place that they can go? So there's three places. First, you can email me at brendan at bkcholding.com. Check out both of my websites, brendanchism.com or bkcholding.com. And happy to set up some time and just love talking real estate with anybody who wants to do it for more than you know 30 seconds. All right. Thank you so much, Brendan. Thank you, Aileen. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.